Welcome to this week's wireless noodle. On the agenda today is whether it makes sense for communication service providers to spin out their IoT business units, a look at benchmarking of digital transformation service providers, and a little more on our recent work on sustainability. My name is Matt Hatton. This is the Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. In recent weeks, there's been some speculation that Vodafone is planning to spin out its IoT business. This is a recurring issue for CSPs, communication service providers. To what extent should your IoT business unit be an independent thing from your main parent company? In a recent report, we examined the approach of various operators to devolution and the extent to which there is an optimum level of independence. Over the last decade or so, we've seen a plethora of different approaches to the degree of independence afforded to these IoT business units. Back in the dim and distant past, there was effectively no such thing as a separate BU. An IoT, back then thought of as machine to machine, was generally a wholesale business supporting MVNOs or involved the sale of undifferentiated SIM cards using regular data tariffs. As such, there was no IoT or M2M business unit, let alone an independent one. But over the course of the last 15 years, as CSPs became more focused on the IoT opportunity, they've collectively built up dedicated IoT capabilities across sales, propositions, marketing and engineering, separate from that of the main company. In some cases, They've even gone further, establishing business units with separate P&L and even independent legal entities. There are a range of approaches with varying degrees of independence of those various elements, all laid out in the report. Now, typically, CSPs have evolved their IoT business units to be increasingly independent up to a point. The benefits associated with the first steps of independence were clear with an evident need for dedicated sales, dedicated propositions, dedicated marketing, and dedicated engineering functions. So this is generally a one-way street of growing sophistication of the offering, adding value, and being better able to directly address the growing opportunity. All of the major CSPs went through a process of establishing some form of IoT business unit covering these areas. But Beyond the establishment of a business unit, the benefits of financial independence and or legal separation are moot. These elements of devolution of responsibility from the main business to the IoT business unit, or similar, have so far come with diminishing returns in terms of clear demonstrable benefit. This is best illustrated, I think, by the fact that CSPs often change direction on the subsidiarity of those higher level functions. There are few, if any, examples of CSPs moving responsibility for the basic technical and commercial functions back into the main business. However, there are several examples where CSPs have changed strategies about higher level independence, i.e. the financial independence or the legal independence. We give a few examples in the report. One relatively new development that it's quite interesting to look at has seen some CSPs combine their IoT units with other emerging lines of business, such as data analytics, as has been the case with Telefonica Tech and Telia Division X. Now, 
probably too early to say whether these types of initiatives will be more successful. But we think that the interconnectedness of IoT with other areas such as analytics, AI and edge will offer some benefit. Now, back to the question of should a company spin out its IoT business unit? Full independence is fraught with challenges. Not least the abandonment of a strong competitive differentiator in the ownership of the network and channels to market. In the report, we cycle through all the potential advantages and disadvantages of independence versus being part of a, a network operator. The conclusion is that the ability to be independent of the network or to be technology agnostic really doesn't deliver very much benefit. Part of the problem stems from prevailing survivorship bias in IoT. Everyone looks at the great success of the IoT unicorns and wants to emulate them. But to be a unicorn, you generally have to be able to fail. And 90% do fail. Network operators have a built-in barrier to entry, i.e. the cost of deploying a network, which means their competitive environment is not as harsh. It may not seem so, but it isn't. They have an almost guaranteed position in the value chain, and it's not too wise to give it up. On to another topic now. In 2021 at Transform Insights, we undertook some extensive research looking at the capabilities of dozens of technology vendors in supporting enterprise digital transformation. This has included digging into the capabilities of cloud hyperscalers, consultancies, systems integrators, IT service vendors, and industrial technology vendors, including the likes of AWS, Microsoft, IBM, Accenture, CGI, Siemens, PTC, and many, many more. We assessed their capabilities across 11 key technology areas, including AI, IoT, product lifecycle management, distributed ledger, edge computing, looking at things like hardware, software, consulting, application development, and numerous other functions. The aim was to help enterprises understand who would be able to best support them in their digital transformation across all of these technologies and functional areas. We did the research in three tranches, all of which have associated reports. The first looked at cloud hyperscalers. I talked about this in episode 20. The second was a set of consultancies and technology vendors, including Accenture, Deloitte, Fujitsu, IBM, Oracle and TCS. The third tranche was a set of what we termed Industry 4.0 Digital Transformation Service Providers. Bit of a mouthful, that one. Including Siemens, PTC, Rockwell Automation, GE and Bosch. Based on our assessment, the overall top scoring vendors in the space, in terms of being able to, across all of those various different elements, support with enterprise digital transformation, with a percentage score compared to the hypothetical perfect vendor that can do all of those functions across all technologies, the top scoring vendors are Microsoft and Siemens, tied on 52% each, followed by IBM on 49%, AWS on 43%, Accenture on 36%, PTC on 35%, Rockwell 33%, and TCS 32%. We have highly granular analysis of all the various products and services elements, and we thought it was worth examining how they compare when considering those aspects separately. After all, some companies are better at building product and others are better at implementation. 
with the hyperscalers Microsoft and AWS particularly, and the industrial focus vendors Siemens, PTC, Rockwell and Bosch, all scored strongly on the products axis. The consultancies and SIs, Accenture, TCS, Deloitte and so on, all score much better on the services axis. No particular surprises there given the relative focus of each of these types of organisations. IBM is the best at spanning the two. If you want to take a look at the blended results across all of the research, across all of those reports, they're shown in a blog post we published early this year. I'll put a link on wirelessnoodle.com. But the key thing to be aware of, and indeed to be aware of any time you look at these kinds of benchmarking reports, and when considering which vendors to use for which projects, is that all requirements are different. While our chart, and many like it, present the overall capabilities as they stand currently, for many projects, enterprises will want to use a specialist player focused on a particular part of the market, such as an ANSYS or a Dassault Systems for project life, product lifecycle management. In our reports, we dig in sufficient depth to be able to identify the best vendors for specific technology areas and for particular functions. Uh, for instance, in hardware or in systems integration in each of the various technology areas. Each enterprise deployment is different and needs to dig into the particular analysis that's included in the reports. It's also worth noting that the market moves fast. The hyperscalers particularly, and AWS more than others, are rapidly evolving their offerings to challenge established players in many of the technology areas that we cover. Finally today, a last look at the work that we've been doing recently on sustainability and how enterprises can use disruptive technology to meet their sustainability goals. A press release linked to the research is provided on the wirelessnoodle.com website. And we've been talking about this over the last three weeks. Uh, this will be the last, last time I pull some of the interesting findings from the results. What I wanted to talk about today was not necessarily the sustainability angle to it. The main aim of the report is to profile the potential sustainability benefits associated with all these digitally transformative solutions, but it also seeks to provide insight into their business impact. Any associated benefits in terms of improved business performance or bottom line profits to the company will help to justify the adoption of an application that has an associated sustainability benefit. Typically, reducing the wastage of resources directly reduces the cost of operations, which can result in quite significant savings in some industries. For example, fuel costs are significant in fleet operations and electricity costs are significant in buildings. And these costs can be substantially reduced through the implementation of, say, fleet management or smart building solutions, respectively. Digital transformation solutions can also promote sustainability by reducing various types of losses and so decreasing the resource consumed per unit of output. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, by increasing the yield of output in agriculture, the sustainability impact and cost per unit of output, a tonne of grain or whatever, is lowered. In the last few weeks, I've talked about how the various solutions can reduce energy consumption, but it's also worth highlighting how they can save costs. Fleet management, for instance, can reduce costs by 10% and increase profitability by up to 30%. And as a corollary benefit, which also has an impact on business, road accidents also fall. 
typically by 40 to 50%, and speeding incidents can fall by up to 90%. Supply chain solutions can, according to our research, reduce shipping costs by up to 30% and inventory holding costs by up to 50%, as well as providing superior service and reducing incidents of theft. Remote monitoring solutions can increase uptime by 10 to 15%, reduce maintenance costs through predicted maintenance by up to 30% and speed time to market by up to 25%. I think we can all agree saving the planet is great, but if it also helps to make an organization more profitable, all the better. It's been quite a short and sweet one this week, but there's been quite a lot of pretty long podcasts over the course of the last few weeks, so I'm not going to worry too much about that. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be obliged if you could leave a review. It is much appreciated. And another plug, we have a stack of webinars coming up. We announced our 2022 to 23 series of webinars a few months ago. The first one of those is coming up on the 26th of September looking at 5G and mobile private networks, aka private wireless. In November, we're talking about how digital transformation can save the planet. That's all tied up with the clean dozen work, the sustainability work that I've been talking about in the last few weeks. In January, we're going to provide a summary of the work from our annual CSP IoT peer benchmarking report. It's quite closely tied up with what I was talking about about uh, CSP IoT business units. That report's due out in Q4. The webinar is coming in January. In March, we'll delve into the opportunity associated with applied AI. And in May next year, we'll share our IoT forecasts. Next week, I'll be talking about constrained IoT and the implications for how deployments are done. Also a bit about Sigfox and eSIM. I hope you can join me. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com, that's transformer with an A, 